Hello and welcome to another episode of Monster Dear Monster. I'm your host Matt and just before we start the episode, just two quick little bits of admin. Uh, first of all, uh, if anyone's got the time just to spare a couple of minutes just to write us a review on iTunes, uh, it'd be greatly appreciated. And secondly, uh, as mentioned a few episodes ago, we've got a brand new uh, merchandise stream on uh, tpublic.com where you can get a nice Monster Monster logo t-shirt or hoodie or stickers and such like. Uh, so yeah, just head over to tpublic.com and uh, search Monster Monster and you can pick up some nice merchandise. And uh, with that, on with the show. Right, here we go. Um, so yeah, I'm your host Matt and on to on my on the start again <laughs> on this episode uh to my left as always is uh america's favorite son and his twitter handle maybe in the notes it's dave how you doing i'm doing all right <laughs> i'll catch you unaware on that one <laughs> and of course to my right the southern heaven hemisphere's favorite dungeon master it's cameron how are you doing? <laughs> I am. Uh, I'm doing pretty well. I've just driven the requisite half hour home from D and D, so that's a uh, yeah, a fair title. Exactly. Topical. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, it's just what I hear. They say you. They say you're the favourite over there. So mm. I'm, I'm not gonna. You know, I wouldn't argue with that. It's a nice title to have. Oh yeah. <laughs> he is the uh, dungeon master. Like there's just one. There could yeah. Be only one. Well, exactly. I, 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 I said favorite because I didn't want to say the because I didn't want yeah. him getting too big headed. You know, he, well, he, I want to keep him on our podcast. I don't want him going elsewhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I on my own. I'll start the yeah. Yokai of the Week. Yokai of the Week. Sorry. Well, if you do style, I'll, I'll do the jingles. I'll charge minimal amount. Right, uh, yeah, monsters. Uh, this episode, we are going to be looking at uh, The Fog, which is a 1980 American horror film directed by John Carpenter. Uh, it stars uh, a few people, including his then wife at the time, I do believe, uh, Adrienne Barbeau, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, Tom Atkins, Janet Lee, and Hal Holbrook. Um, and on for the back of that, we'll be talk- mainly talking about uh, the monster type Revenant, which is the antagonist in this movie. Um, so, um, so yeah, first of all, before we sort of go into anything, I just want to sort of ask you guys what you generally thought about The Fog. Um, how about you, Dave? Uh, this this is a great film. I've, I've watched this um, over the years. One I like to return to every so often. It's a it's a nice little uh, ghost story, um, and it's it's prefaced by a, a ghost story, which basically sums up uh, what's going to happen in this film. Uh, it, it's it's a little bit gory, uh, which is good <laughs> because, because otherwise <laughs> yes. it would it would be a little bit dry. Um, the, the plots pretty straightforward um i don't know I, I like it a lot and it's john carpenter so it's kind of a built-in uh fan base from me anyway um yeah uh how about you cameron uh yeah this was my first time watching the fog actually and it was a lot of fun uh i really dig the older style horror movies this one isn't super old but uh it's 
really nice and simple. Like you said, it's sort of a fairly straightforward plot and like you can kind of just see what's going to happen, but it's done really nicely and all of the effects aren't always the best standing up to say modern day effects. Uh, it's got that really, it's just got a really nice sort of feel to it. It builds atmosphere very well and there's real tension at times and there's real sort of slight comedy at times. And <laughs> yeah, I had a ton of fun watching this really happy to see it. Yeah. Yeah. I thought I agree with both of you guys. It, it is a really good movie. I've seen it before years and years ago, but I, I knew vaguely the, the plot of it, but I had to obviously rewatch it, <clears throat> excuse me for this uh, episode. But like you, I, I agree that the, especially the older ones, uh, the older movies, which I've seen some of these are made even before we were born. Um, I, there's something about them that I think is really great. And I think it's the fact that, like I said, they they do keep it simple. They don't over-complicate things sometimes. When I say older ones, I mean, when because obviously John Carpenter, this is off, came off the back of um, Halloween. And, you know, when we covered American Werewolf in London and such like, you know, that... You know, yeah, there is those slight cheesy parts in the movies, but I think overall the aesthetics are done really well. You know, they, they, because I think some of the more modern horror movies do overcomplicate things. They do become very reliant on gore at times, which has its place, but I think sometimes it can really spoil movies or at least take away some of the impact um, that it's trying to make. Whereas, like I said, this one is a simple movie. But not necessarily in, excuse me, in a derogatory way. Uh, it, you know, it keeps flowing quite nicely. It's got a simple premise, and you know, uh, you know, it, yeah. Overall, it was a really enjoyable movie to to watch. Um, so, well, talking about the premise, I mean, the general gist of this movie is you've got the city. Well, it's a town, isn't it? Of um, Antonio Bay. Uh, which I believe is in California. Yes. Yes, California. That's it. Um, <clears throat> so you've got this, uh, you know, coastal town that's uh, about to celebrate its 100th year anniversary. So it's, not, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's not been around that long, um, where basically the, you know, it's generally, a, you know, a generic normal town. Start Things start going a bit strange, you know, a bit of paranormal activity. And... It comes in where basically the sort of history behind the movie is that a hundred years prior, I before it started, there was a uh, leper colony that was looking to basically be down the road from Antonio Bay. I think it said about a mile down the road, where this uh, wealthy, uh, well, wealthy leper Blake uh, was going to bring the colony there on board a ship but basically the locals didn't want them there um you know for various reasons and then plotted the murder and <laughs> sinking of the boat in the bay um which you know basically kicks off the film so um so yeah so as a you know sort of the actual general plot what you know the actual background of it what what did you think of that guys uh dave i thought it was really interesting it's like an a, evocative um Tale. We have this, you know, sinking of a ship for political reasons. Um, basically, it's kind of the, the greed of this town. Um, the the money used to start that leper colony. Or I guess um, Blake's money was uh, it was in gold. And so, with the sinking of the ship, the 
the men who did this deed you took, stole that gold, basically, murdered them for their money, and uh, used that to, to build Antonio Bay. Um, I don't know, it's, it just feels evocative. It's a, a good motive uh, for revenge, uh, regardless of <laughs> whether you're alive or dead. <laughs> yeah, Azali, what do you think, Cameron? Uh, yeah, no, it's it's pretty good. Um, a lot of sort of more ghost revenue focused movies these days. We have one ghost, there's something, some kind of personal grudge against one person, and you never, you know, it doesn't give you a lot of scope for this entire area is under the influence of the attack of these supernatural creatures. But in this, we've got. No, this entire town is free game for them, effectively. And, yeah, like uh, you both said, it's sort of a really good evocative tale of, hi, we're, we're just the nice people. We just want to come live next door. I know we're sick and all, but uh, <laughs> come on. You're you're all men and women of God. You wouldn't mind that. And they go, oh, yes, no, that's quite nice. Turns around. Uh, so we're going to just uh, not do that, right? Yeah. <laughs> just gonna just gonna sink the leper's ship steal the leper's gold build us a nice town and it will all be fine nothing will ever go wrong <laughs> that basically sums it up it, it yeah. did, you, did you like the fact that it was for a revenge tale quite particular i.e rather than spirits ghosts creatures just you know, like we've seen in other movies, just randomly, you know, just terrorizing a town for the sake of it. Do you like the fact it was quite, you know, a particular reason? Yeah, yeah. Like, um, like I said, a lot of things these days are one ghost has an issue with one person or one family. And these are, these ghosts all have a very personal grudge with basically anyone who's ended up living here <laughs> over <laughs> the years. You know, on the assumption, you know, you, your entire town's built on our blood money, effectively. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. And do you think the same, Dave, as well? Yeah, it's interesting because that uh, not only accounts for anyone living in the town, but uh, ostensibly like visitors as well. You could have just literally been in the wrong place at the wrong time on this uh, anniversary. Uh, you know, it might as well just be tourist season, um, people coming in yeah. uh, to, to visit and you know, clearly <laughs> made the wrong choice to stay in Antonio, <laughs> Antonio Bay, uh, regardless of how, you know, beautiful the coastline looks. Yeah, it, it runs an interesting parallel with the fact that they are obviously there, to, you know, the, to celebrate. It's, yay, 100 years, we, you know, that this town's been around. And little do they know the actual history and what it's actually built on. The fact that, and I think at one point the the priest so i think it's the priest that says it where he, he says we you know this we're celebrating murderers aren't we which i thought was a really quite invocative sort of way of putting it um you know for people that haven't seen the movie the the priest that that you see at the start of the movie which is father uh, father malone that's it he his grandfather uh turns out to be one of the six conspirators that caused the you know the death of the the leper colonies on the ship he uh in, in quite an interesting way find comes across the book or journal of his grandfather um which, which just happened to be hidden in one of the church walls and it just one of the part of the masonry just falls out and goes ta-da here's your granddad's journal <laughs> and he 
um, what I thought was quite interesting with him is the fact that he reads it and sort of takes it purely on board straight away, which is, you know, often in a lot of these movies, when you see, you know, when a character comes across some, you know, literature and he, he could have, you know, passed it off, really. He could have, um, you know, sort of, I'm trying to say, he, he could have just gone, yeah, okay, that's my granddad's journal. You know, he, he had a few issues back then. But it's the fact that there was no real evidence of anything happening prior to that, unless there's some family background that, that isn't shown. And he, you know, starts reading the journal and starts almost believing it and, you know, buying into the story already, which I thought was a good way of doing it actually, because it, it, that's why we said at the start where it isn't a particularly complicated story. It goes straight in go, right. Okay. Yes. This is the, you know, this is the background. And, and sort of prior to that, you see the, um, uh, I'm guessing he's a sailor of some sort, a fisherman, where he, he's taught, you know, he's telling the story to the um, the children on the beach right at the start, where he's given the background of of the the leper colony. I thought that was done really well. Was, do you think that the same as well, guys? Yeah, the um, they according to uh, director commentary, um, that portion of the film wasn't in um the the initial version that he added that uh, in post before oh, you know, finalizing okay. the movie um i think just to add that gravitas that that um bit of prologue to clue people in um on what was going to happen uh versus you know just father malone coming across that, that journal uh and i think that that's also part of it you know him you to say that it's a little bit surprising that he clued into it. Um, well, for all intents and purposes, the town, at least as it exists, you know, in this present day, um, have no idea that, uh, you know, their, their parents, their ancestors did this terrible thing to, you know, for the prosperity of their, of the town. And I guess maybe the fact that, uh, father Malone's, um, grandfather, founded this you know this church and was this upstanding citizen um to have this sort of confessional uh you know journal where he wrote down basically his his great greatest sin um is enough to get him to take it seriously Mm -hmm. it doesn't seem like a a work of fiction uh that a you know a a priest would come up with no exactly no no i agree and i I think the fact journal as well makes it more personal therefore more than just an embellished story um but you know i think it it does hone in what the story is going to be about because throughout the movie there's a lot of references to the key parts of the story i.e the fact that it's 100 years ago the fact that which is going to they're going to reveal soon where there's going to be six that need to die there were six conspirators um the fact that it all happens when the fog appears at midnight and then it sort of dies off come 1am you know which is the the time that everything happened back 100 years ago you know they they're quite good throughout the movie at reiterating the fact of what you know what the key facts are and why things are happening the way they are um but yeah i think it it definitely delivers on that point um yeah, so you know, through, like I said, throughout the movie, things are going strange. You know, they 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 do start seeing the fog. The 
I think again another thing that I thought was done very well was the fact that was the use of the radio DJ um, throughout where she reiterates often the time the weather which obviously <clears throat> excuse me seem quite mundane things in, in normal and things but in this case it, it it's good it actually brings a lot of continuity to what's going on it it, it you as a viewer actually can keep track of <laughs> the you know the plan you keep the fact that like i said a minute ago that the times are quite a key thing that's part of this um i mean do you think uh aim this to you cameron do you think that obviously because we're gonna short you know in, in the movie it's seeing revenants do you think that this premise this actual background i six people being conspirators six people um needing to die the fog do you think that a revenant which we'll cover shortly it was a good choice of creature for this uh yeah i think it was a pretty good choice honestly um uh like we mentioned at the start of the show i've just come back from D D, where uh, revenants are also a thing um and it's effectively a vengeful corpse uh a lot of the time in that uh you know something terrible's been done to me so i have to go kill whoever's responsible or their next of kin or however many great great descendants because time can pass and stuff like that um and it's not something used a lot either really like you know we get a lot of ghosts we get a, however many goddamn paranormal activity movies we have at this point <laughs> <laughs> so many of them so uh, many yeah and revenants are sort of just not really used too much uh, it could be there's sort of that ambiguity because they're either always visible ghosts or they're animated corpses. And so it's, is it a ghost? Is it a zombie? People like, oh, maybe audiences will get confused. But I, don't know, I like the idea because it's all the ghost powers, you know, there's all the weird stuff going on. They seem to teleport around at times and things like that. But then you combine that with the physicality, which we see a lot in the movie. You know, they're bashing in doors and pulling doors apart with dock hooks and, you know, stabbing people and breaking car windows and everything like that. Like, it gives you a very physical threat, but also a very sort of supernatural threat, which I feel really helps add to the tension. Uh, you know, if there's just a ghost, it's like, well, something spooky's going to happen, and if it's just a zombie, <laughs> well, something's going to get broken, but you get both of them. Two-in-one, two-for-one uh, two package deal with Revenants. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'd agree with you on that. I think that because a revenant is a, a lesser known monster in the grand scheme of things because they are quite ambiguous because they can be seen as other things i they like you said they can be sometimes a, a visible ghost sometimes an animated corpse and i suppose the problem is they can get branded as that and whereas obviously a revenant is quite a particular um <clears throat> excuse me quite a particular type of uh, creature um i mean this is probably a good time for us actually to go into the you know a bit of background on revenants um i mean dave do you do you want to give us a bit of background on one on the like what was the wiki say you're the wiki master yeah, sure <laughs> i'll just i'll just read the, the the first small entry in the wikipedia for revenant so this says a revenant is a visible ghost or animated corpse that is believed to have revived from death to haunt the living the word revenant is derived from the latin word Ravenians. <laughs> Unfortunately, no one yeah. speaks Latin. Um, <laughs> that I've heard. Uh, returning. Uh, also related to the French verb 
Ravineer. Uh, that's easier uh, to come back. Um, mm. Excuse my butchering of, of Latin. Back then. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we did it with um, Japanese last last episode. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> a little easier for me. Just um, Caesar's corpse is going to come for you. Uh, <laughs> Watch your but, back. Yeah, so <laughs> so there's another uh, small entry from uh, an uh, English historian, uh, William of Newburgh, wrote in um, 1190. Uh, it would not be easy to believe that the corpses of the dead should sally uh, from their graves and should wander about to the terror or destruction of the living and again return to the tomb, which of its own accord spontaneously opened to receive them. Did not frequent examples, or I guess that's a question, did not frequent examples occurring in our own times suffice to establish this fact to the truth of which there is abundant testimony? So... Uh, I guess in modern day, the idea of Revenant has been dismissed a lot. It, it, it's, it's more of a superstition. And uh, there, there, may, there were some more recent examples. Um, even in uh, North America, probably about 100, 100 years back or so. So I guess that, I guess that, that uh, holds true to um, this you know, particular film that we're, we're watching. Uh, yeah, there's that idea that the Revenant has been sort of conflated with um, zombies, uh, vampires. Yeah. It, it's a it's a fluid idea and maybe have solidified into uh, separate beasties versus before where it, it had a solid um, you know history and meaning behind it. Uh, I, I think just a little bit about the efficacy of choosing this for the fog um a specter or a ghost something intangible would have had uh, it far less or its own impact um it being a, a reanimated corpse uh, as we see here uh it gives you a chance i guess as the, the victim to to flee or to feel um that maybe it's just some, not some um, omnipotent, you know, specter of revenge that you can't do anything against. You have a you have an opportunity to to get away, to maybe stall it or fight back. Some sort of agency um, that you wouldn't get if it was this um, amorphous specter that you know was haunting you or it could have just affect the environment. You can't see it. Um, those are harder to deal with, I think. As um, being able to put the audience in the place of these characters. Yeah, I'd agree. I think that knowing that revenge is the sort of key factor in this movie, that, you know, the fog is, even though obviously the fog is the name of the title, it's obviously a prominent feature of it. Ultimately, it's just a cover to, you know, to envelop the, the monster and how, you know, how they obviously to, you know, cause, I suppose, horror and, and introduce them in a, you know, in a, you know, fan, you know, fantastic way. Um, I think that the use of a revenue is quite interesting because I think ultimately it allows it to be a particular subject. Like we said, they do get confused with, or not confused, but they do get, um, lost with, you know, other creatures such as zombies vengeful spirits and they can be seen in that way which is a bit of a shame really for 
for the Revenant as a as a monster type because I find it's the, the fact that it's out to get revenge. It's out to it's got a purpose as opposed to just mindless violence. You know, I think is uh, a key thing to this. I think the fact that you know in in this particular case where obviously they're trying to get revenge on the the well six people that were conspirators and obviously now they're picking six people from now the town of uh, the new town of Antonio Bay I think is a you know is a is quite a key thing really I think it's in, it makes it enjoyable and it and it, like I said it just keeps it with a single focus uh, you know it explains why they're there they're not just terrorizing just for the sake of terrorizing um it explains the violence and and also and I I know this sounds quite strange but I think the fact that especially in the context of the movie that they how did I put this you almost feel sorry for them because you know that you know the background you know they were a leper you know which is obviously an horrific uh, you know affliction to have and the fact that you know they didn't mean any harm and they've just callously just been murdered and then like I said then insult to injury, their gold has been stolen to to form this uh, new <laughs> town is you know you you almost think you know even though in the movie they're killing people that are you know could be seen as innocent really because they're just <laughs> they're just the current uh, folk of the town that you can understand you know where this vengeance come from um but sort of going back to the revenant in general they there is a lot, you know, looking through a lot of the background on it, there is a lot of uh, European lore on this one. Actually, I think they, I know they do come in in a lot of other stories as well. But there seems to be a prominent um, European theme to sort of their background, um, including one of them. Actually, I was reading in the actually one of the uh, stories is actually set literally not many miles from where I currently live, <laughs> so <laughs> over here in the, the UK, but it. Yeah, I, I think that even when you read the different types of law, they it depends which um, viewpoint they come from. Because in the case of you know, if you look at some of the other law, revenants are seen to be former former you know evil people. You know, so, you know, like when we like when we covered the uh, the uh, neo yokai episode last week, and I was talking about the wheel monks, and obviously you're saying that you know they're evil doers that become something to then judge other you'll take people evildoers to then be judged you know revenants um in some aspects of the law are seen to be extremely evil people they die in a very violent way and because they their spirit is so you know full of spite and and evil that you know they come back to become you know to you know to bring their evil on the world again now that you know is a you know uh, I can understand that, but I prefer this way of doing it. You know the way the film shows it. Uh, I mean, Cameron, do you what do you think on this? Do you would you rather uh, <laughs> no, choose a revenant now? Do you want a revenant that was evil that you know has come back just to carry on its evil ways, or you know do you think that the one the film portrays where we're presuming a relatively innocent people, you know, just trying to find a home that they come back to get revenge? Uh, I think I prefer the um, the innocent wanting revenge over the um, the evil just wanting to cause more mayhem. 
it honestly does just make for a more interesting story, in my opinion. Uh, you know, it's otherwise it becomes the classic. He was evil in life. He is evil in death. Uh, <laughs> it's just it's just another monster running around doing evil nonsense. Whereas revenants have a purpose, and they should. You know, they're this thing where you're so angry at being unjustfully killed or having your land and money stolen or whatever it is that you claw your way back out of the grave into your old body, try and hunt down whoever did this to you. And that's interesting. Like revenge stories make up so many movies and books and tales because they're interesting. You're just adding another supernatural element on top for a little more spice. (laughs) All part of the, uh, the monster cookbook there. Just a <laughs> dash of salt, pepper, and spice there. Add a, add a, add a little bit of revenge, revenant in there as well. Um, Dave, did it, was there another bit of lore you wanted to cover? I'm not yeah, sure if there's um, a. We'll, I guess, do a brief um, idea that um, a lot of, the, I guess, victims, um, the people that are suffering from visits by revenants, um, the, even across uh, Greek. Um, or I guess the European legends, they all sort of center on um, the ability to, if you were to exhume the body, um, cut their heads off, take out their heart, um, dealing with the corpse uh, deals with the revenant. Uh, Or um, using some you know some ritual uh, or way to sanctify uh, the body we'll we'll do the same thing that's relevant in this case because these these animated corpses are like at the bottom of the ocean uh, <laughs> you're not going to get to them uh, to dispense you know with their spirit and resolving it that way you're you're pretty much just stuck uh, hoping they did their deed or you find some way to appease them um i guess non-violently as uh, we we do find in the in the film um but i think a little bit speaking to the point cameron brought up on the idea of victims you know unjustly murdered becoming revenants versus uh people that had done terrible deeds um but returning to revisit these uh you know these horrible things upon you know future generations um we i guess we had a resurgence uh or a a popularity of revenants in in the 70s um there's another series of films uh that's they're they're portuguese um filmed by amando de osorio these are tombs of the blind dead uh i put the the links in the notes so there's like four films in total and these revenants are um evil i guess quote unquote uh templar that uh it's, it's it was a side order i guess it's sort of cult uh of the templar order that were running around like sacrificing um women uh to gain eternal life which they they do um they're just decomposed you know rotting corpses instead of uh their you know (laughs) hale and hearty mortal forms that i guess they assumed uh, they would maintain uh, past death so we get that and this idea i think of the revenants we see you know more closer to present day being more zombies 
uh, or, or taking a path of the um, Jagger and being like vampires comes after this resurgence. So maybe films maybe 1990 and onward move away from revenants or at least the traditional um, idea that we had of them. There's one or two films I'm aware of more recently that deals with that, but they're specifically calling out um, Draugr or some other form versus uh, just a classic idea of Revenant, which was unfortunate. I mean, um, they're, they're pretty (laughs) interesting and a little more uh, substantial in all, all sense of the word than um, just a ghost or, uh, you know, an aimless, mindless zombie. Um, These guys have a a literal method to their madness and they're doing something like for a reason. And because of that, that makes them, uh, I guess, more attractive as far as uh, being invested in, you know, this monster. Yeah. Uh, And that's the thing, isn't it? Because revenge is... You know, any story that you read, watch a film, anything, revenge is a very strong emotion for a lot of people. Even if you're not familiar with the situation that the victim's in, you can often empathize with it. And, and I think that's where we've got a weird situation, whereas, you know, with, with the Revenant in general, that you're quite empathetic to the monster, which is not something that, you, you know, often happens in a lot of um, monster-related media, do you? You know, often seen as the you know antagonists they kill people they cause trouble and that's it really get rid of them whereas you know in their background and especially obviously in this film they're you know used to great effect and it's quite interesting actually looking at some of the um revenant uh, examples throughout other you know other media that and you you know when it's actually when you read it you think oh yeah that's right actually <laughs> like for example um jason you know from the friday the 13th movie he's, mm. he's he qualifies as a revenant um even random ones like scorpion out of more combat is actually considered <laughs> is considered a revenant yeah, yeah. you know because he, he gets killed just before more combat 10 by the elder sub-zero and you know comes back to you know to avenge himself so you know it's 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 actually one of those monster types which applies to a lot of situations that you don't often instantly think you know because you think oh some you know someone getting revenge or a spirit of some sort getting revenge you know is quite you know could be seen as quite generic whereas you know this doesn't and it's got an and like in the case of the movie and of the fog it's got a very particular you know motive behind it which you know makes it a you know a stronger uh aspect of it basically so yeah so i mean going back to the the fog i mean the you know throughout the movie there's uh you know more references to to the boat that was sank which is was in this case the the elizabeth dane um you know there's this um quite interesting scene where the 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 son of the radio dj comes across the well half the half the <laughs> the uh, ship name just he just he just got the dane bit not the elizabeth bit um there's a bit of driftwood and he you know he gives it to his to his mother and then his mother takes it to the lighthouse where she where she works which is where they, and lives which is where the radio station is and it and then this it it feels at times what this particular scene that's about to happen that it feels very 1970s 80s you know the the way they put it across but i i think it adds a lot to it where basically the driftwood um starts having water pouring out of it and it, which is near a cassette player that's 
you know playing um part of the the radio program and then you know, obviously the water seeps in and you get this scene where um the 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 letters on the board change so rather than saying dane it says uh is it six must die i think it says yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So six must die and the because obviously the the water seeped into the cassette player it's um obviously starting to go funny and then you you hear this voice talking about revenge i mean cameron what did you think of it oh i absolutely loved that scene it was <laughs> so good it was so classic sort of yeah like you said 70s 80s horror uh does does everything have just something where you know a random haunted object starts to drip a liquid and cause <laughs> something to happen with an electronic device because i'm pretty sure that happened at least twice in, in the ghostbusters movies as well <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah no it's it's that great thing because you see the letters begin to fill in presumably with seawater and you know the mm-hmm. starts to overflow out of it and when um stevie is her name yeah, stevie, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah she sort of turns to look at what's going on with the cassette tear cassette player and you get a shot of the whole desk you don't get a super close up on the uh the driftwood and I almost didn't catch it. I almost didn't see that it had changed to um, six must die. Mm. Uh, it was, it was just, yeah, it was a super cool. And like, it was super tense as well. Cause um, up until this point, there's been all this paranormal activity, but it's always been between 12 midnight and 1am. And this is at like five thirty in the afternoon. <laughs> yeah. You know, she's yeah. getting ready to do the radio show proper and stuff is already starting to kick off with sort of a, big foreshadowing for the rest of that night i suppose yeah uh, absolutely yeah it's 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 done it's a great effect actually and it like you said i uh, was the same i didn't really notice until the last second that the um six must die uh had come had sort of engraved itself on the the driftwood um again it's all added into suspense at this point you you've seen um a bit of the well a, a little bit of the revenants by this point I and mean, actually we might as well talk about their actual visual aspect on in the movie um because throughout most of the movie you don't really see much detail of them do you really it's mm. you they're mainly well they're mainly well actually dave what do, what are you describing what's your what's your what's your take on the revenants <laughs> mm, they're in silhouette uh for, for the most part so you're seeing like the the idea of them, the shadow uh, sort of backlit by the fog, because as the fog we didn't really talk about, uh, <laughs> it, it's glowing. <laughs> and that's a, a yeah, point yeah. that um, the, the DJ makes. She's saying, well, we, you know, there's fogs rolling in, but it's like there's lights in the fog. Um, so because of that, when you, when you do see uh, the revenants, they're just a, a shape or a shadow. They're indistinct. Um, you can tell they're the shape of a man, um, and they're all, uh, I guess, more frightening. <laughs> they're, you know, they're holding uh, uh, sailor implements like the yeah, few of the hooks, knives, dock hooks, hooks, stuff yeah. that like yeah. just it looks unpleasant. <laughs> Those aren't like <laughs> nice things for someone to be holding. You can't do, um, you know, in this instance, con- constructive work uh, holding, you know, wicked looking. <laughs> unpleasant i like that good good adjective to describe them um yeah they like you said they the fact that you just make seem mainly the silhouette you do catch 
well, how I saw them, you could see obviously their ragged clothes and what potentially looks like bandages, which obviously highlights the leprosy um, part of things as well. Obviously, that's what they would have been potentially wearing, you know, when they when they died. So they are or should be their, you know, reanimated corpses that were at the bottom of the ocean. Um, again, it's standard horror, you know, where you you don't see particularly much of of the of the creature, but you know, it's it's the the traditional things that still have a lot of effect, like the fact that they they make no real noise, they're very silent, um, they all, they're a bit zombie like in the sense of the way they walk, they sort of amble along. Um, you know, prior to the bit that we're talking about, they've they've murdered you know three men on a on the fishing boat, which you know some of the victims have connections to some of the other characters that are in this that are pretty irrelevant um <laughs> especially that blonde woman she's irrelevant movie um mrs williams i think she's called the she you know so they you've seen them murdered you know and, and like dave i think said at the start where it's quite they're quite brutal as well the way they murder they're you know they they it's not just a sim, simple stab they they stab multiple times they you know you got a hook in the back you got a sword in the back um they go for all the vital points so um which you know makes sense in the you know in the context of this so you know throughout you know the movie that you you know you're they're showing the fact that the the number of people that they're trying to take out you know is now coming down so obviously like i said we they're trying to take out six people um half of them are gone already just on one um fishing boat and i i particularly like the scene a bit later where the uh they've managed to bring one of the corpses of the three um uh, fishermen back and obviously you know it's that stereotypical uh body on a in a uh in a morgue with a sheet mm. over it and uh is it gonna move <laughs> is, actually when i was watching this earlier my mother-in-law Deciding to watch it with me, and she she knew exactly what was going on. She goes, "Oh, I bet it's going to move." I was like, "Yes, it's going to move. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a you know, it's a trope. It's always going to happen." Um, so yeah, the the corpse uh, uh, grabs a. I think is it's a like a scalpel or yeah. a, a you know an instrument. The or see the the you know, that the body's been examined, would be examined with. Um, so the, the corpse <laughs> reanimates and dramatically collapses in front of uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, but it nicely manages to get time to carve a number three into the floor <laughs> on the, <laughs> at her feet, which is obviously to highlight that, you know, three of three of the six are down at this point, um, which I think it was done to, you know, to really good horror effect at that point. Um, you know, and, and as, as things go, you, you do get a sort of a common theme of, you know, the fog keeps coming back, you know, as it's creeping back, you've got the, the radio DJ keeping track of, you know, the, what time it is, you know, there's obviously all the weird things that are happening is obviously creating a lot of uncertainty in Anton, in Antonio, Antonio Bay, um, throughout, which, and then I, I must admit, what do you, what was your take on the fact that put, putting aside the last victim, which obviously has some purpose, the five leading up to the last victim, which obviously we've had the three 
uh, fisherman, and the the other two is the local weatherman and a old lady who's babysitting the uh, the son that found the the driftwood earlier. Was your sort of take on you know considering the fact that that there were six conspirators in you know a hundred years prior to this that were obviously all in it? Do you do you think the the sort of victims again apart from the last one which we'll get onto later <laughs> <laughs> the you know, do you think they had any real purpose? Because to me, they seemed a bit random. I mean, Dave, what do you think on that? Um, they're random as far as the the film is concerned. It looks like there was a novelization that was released um, in tandem with the film. And uh, according to the novelization, these victims all had ties to the, uh, the original six um, murderers. Oh, okay. So it's a little bit, it's, it's lost in the film. Um, they don't explain mm. that at all. But, you, I mean, you can kind of guess that's what they're doing. And yeah. it would have been fine, I think, except for it threw me off when the babysitter was killed. I mean, not that she <laughs> couldn't be a, a, a relative. It just, I don't know, it just felt a bit neat. It was yeah, a little a bit, bit different. Bit um, the sake of it, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I agree with that. And then uh, one one weird thing is these these revenants are like, I don't know if I want to say that they're they're not polite, but they knock before they uh, before yeah. they come get you. And I was, it was driving me up the wall that it's always it's like midnight. It's super creepy, foggy outside. It's late at night, and everyone just randomly opens the door. Oh, the door, strangers. yeah. Why would yeah. you do that? Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. But um, in you know in the film that that gets you killed, so you obviously yeah. should not just open the door at midnight. Um, I, I just put it down to the fact that, again, putting aside that it would be for, you know, otherwise you wouldn't have mu- as much of an mo- uh, interesting movie. I presume it's because it's a smallish town and they all know each other. And therefore, there's obviously if someone's knocking on their door, it could be, you know, a, a loved one or a friend that needs help. But, yeah, I agree. Yeah. You're like, stop well, opening I mean, the door. Just, like, <laughs> knocked down the door. We... um the revenant, the lore to what they're able to do um, within the scope of this of this film isn't consistent because they they don't they seem to have the regular strength of a, a man. There's, yes, there doesn't go yeah. past that, except in the moments when it needs to, and then you're like they're ripping yeah. apart doors off hinges and like that's yeah, the lighthouse. Like that's the probably a pretty door. heavy door, yeah. and he yeah. just <laughs> tears through it. But they're still slow and plotting enough um, to, you know, for the our, our lighthouse keeper to sort of get away and, you know, climb onto the roof of the, the lighthouse. Um, yeah, so I wish it had been a little bit more consistent. And we get those uh, supernatural um, events happening in the, in the very opening of the film where, uh, like, the, the lights are flickering at the gas station and, yeah. and somehow the pump... Uh, I think on, on the get the gas pump pops off and it's like you know leaking gas. Um, yeah, that's another thing that it almost felt. It's not only a red herring, but it's uh, sort of an unfired um, Chekhov's gun. The mm. the gas mm. if it's leaking, yeah. something should have exploded. Like that's yeah. what you do yeah. if you go out of your way <laughs> to show that a um, a gas pump came off the handle and it's just leaking gas everywhere. Yeah. But anyway, that's. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah, it's a, a nitpick I have. Um, it's why is why are these things happening? Uh, because these aren't ghosts; they're revenants, and so one of them should had to have been there to like 
physically lift that off there. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Small, small <laughs> nitpick in, a, in an otherwise um, solid film. Well, yeah, if you if you put aside that again, it's for dramatic effect in the, you know from a movie perspective, it's a bit pointless. The the whole what they're doing, like I said, you know, shaking drinks in a convenience store and you know making all the pay phones go off and you know ringing and the car alarms you know ultimately what from you know if you're looking at you know particularly as a revenant whose main purpose in this particular instance is to murder six people to get revenge them sort of shaking things going ooh is a bit <laughs> seems a bit you know i don't i know the context of it really i again movie movies yeah <laughs> we'll put it down to that um i mean what do you think cameron do you think it was a bit odd <laughs> it it was perhaps a bit off kilter with what they became later in the film but i found a sort of really tension building mm-hmm. to have things like you know you had uh, two of the characters driving and all the windows on the car suddenly break and the headlights stuck flickering and stuff um Sort of, they they talk a lot about the the witching hour, that hour between yeah. midnight and one a.m. And I don't know it feels like all this stuff is sort of secondary side effects to the revenants beginning to come back. Maybe, uh, you know, out out in the middle of the ocean somewhere, there's this great mighty disturbance going on as uh, these bodies prepare to sail their broken ship back in and sort of wreak havoc on the town. And because of that everything's just starting to sort of go crazy around them. I know I, I really liked it from sort of a, it was just fun and interesting and mm-hmm. tense and stuff at times, but yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense over the course of the film. Yeah. It's a bit, yeah, it's... A bit weird like that. Yeah. It may, it makes sense as a, as a horror trope, but uh, you know, from a law perspective, it, yeah, it has no real sort of context, but yeah, it, you're right. It, it builds tension because obviously it is heading that way that you know you you is the you know the point now in the film it's mm. it's culminating where you know celebrations have started and you know where then it's all going wrong you know this little town that's had no really you know prior to 100 years ago has had no real issue with everything you know they're looking to celebrate and you know now the things are going strange and, and just getting weirder people are getting murdered and um you know obviously the fog keeps you know setting in at such like so yeah it I think I like how the fact that thing that the because the, there's not many cast members ultimately in this movie that they're all the ones that are still alive at this point are all sort of pushing in one direction where you know you've mm. got the you've got Jamie Lee Curtis and I think uh, who's Elizabeth and uh, Nick the the guy that she sort of spent most of the movie with. And obviously Stevie, the DJ, and and the, the, her son, etc. They're all sort of culminating to a point now where, it, you know, the, this Stevie has this issue on the uh, on the lighthouse where you do see a bit more of the uh, revenants at this point. There's this mm. scene where she's on top of the light, you know, higher up on the lighthouse, and she's getting attacked. And she, I think, from memory, she pulls a bandage or the you know, the face of one of the revenants and mm. you, you sort of see a, again, it's not very, it's very quick, but it's sort of, <laughs> you've got, it's like a greeny seaweedy zombie lepra, leprosy inflicted face. <laughs> so, you know, so yeah, you get a bit of, again, it's, it's consistent. It, you know, it's what, you know, if it based on the, the corpse of, 
of the victim that would have been 100 years ago it it makes perfect sense um and it at this point it culminates into where they all head to the church which is what you saw you know relatively near the start of the movie um and then this is now where you see father malone again who's not really uh, apart from you know him reading the tome a bit earlier and um sort of reiterating that the 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 town is cursed you haven't really seen that much of him at this point um so they all take refuge in the church you know so revenants uh come forward and start you know again that's where it becomes a bit of a zombie movie at that point where they're you know smashing their you know smashing their hands through uh, the windows and trying to grab and you know they're trying to board it up etc um and uh, father malone uh, finds the this very heavy and quite big golden cross um which he realizes is the the what was left of the gold of you know what was mm. used to build the church and build the town it's the you know what was left of it and they've obviously melted it down into form a huge cross and just happened to be behind where his journal is in the wall um how they managed to get that up there i don't know but <laughs> it's damn heavy so yeah um and then he sat you know he in essence sacrifices himself towards the revenants so there's this standoff in the church and this is where we again apart from earlier on in the movie where you see them on the boat this is where you actually get to see the revenants as a group and particularly where you get to see blake you know who is the you know was the wealth wealthy leader you know of this leper colony the guy that was trying to you know find them a home and and such like so he he uh approaches uh father malone and what did you think of the glowing red eyes on this bit um what was the do you think there was any apart from theatrically was there any real purpose to the glowing red eyes any mm. takers <laughs> yeah i think that that gives their their Face, um, you know, because they're, they're just in shadow. Uh, yes. Aside from that one small part on top of the lighthouse, um, I don't know it's pretty effective. Uh, mm. it, I think it might have been neater if it wasn't red. Maybe if it was like a yellow or, or, or the same color as the light from the fog, that would have been yeah. Cool mm. oh, yeah, I agree. Um, sort of tie that together and give them more of a ethereal feel just in that single moment um the red looks too evil i guess <laughs> you know, if you're trying to <laughs> yeah, play with yeah, some sympathy yeah. for these guys it, it, um that would have been more interesting to not not pick that color you know it, it's mm. it'd be cool to see why you know they chose that maybe the other ones were too difficult to do or as for maybe didn't show up or something i, I don't know um, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. it was it was an interesting effect. Um, honestly, the first thing that came to mind was um, red-eyed enemies in the Soul series. Yeah, I knew you'd <laughs> like, <you'd> say that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I looked at him like, well, he's clearly the strongest revenant. <laughs> the other one, so I guess it's him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's got an actual weapon and he's got red eyes. Clearly, he's the um, the mini boss <laughs> for the zone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yes, yeah, yeah. it's it's it, yeah. It, I mean, like I said, it, it's for. It is for effect, and he, you know, he approaches uh, Father Malone, grabs the golden cross, and it all starts lighting up. It, you know, it, I, I, I presume 
because at this point it lights up um and then it, it the the cross Blake and all the revenants disappear the fog disappears mm. into you know a, a flash of white light um Nick has grabbed Father Malone out of the way um what do you think the purpose of that was when I say the purpose do you think that from a law perspective they've redeemed themselves they've you know they've got their gold back you know what what I mean is what do you what was your take on you know for both of you what was your take on why that's the end of it or maybe not the end but we'll Uh, talk about that in a second (laughs) the the purpose of that was to trick the audience Um, yeah 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 yeah, yeah. 100% yeah yeah Um, well yeah yeah I mean what what, I I mean mean, it's showcasing that they're supposed to be um uh lost what the word is um satiated like that's that's the Mm. thing that they wanted their gold back yeah Um, but you yeah. know they've been writing six must die like throughout the entire film. I think um, that by itself is enough. It's not even foreshadowing. It's like outright um, illustrating yeah. what they yeah. want. They don't yeah. ever say, "Hey, give us back our gold." They would have wrote notes like, <laughs> "Give me the gold." Um, <laughs> but they didn't do that. They say like, like debt collect. <laughs> they're knocking on the door, like leaving. The- hey, they've been give us our gold back. Door. Yeah, they've been knocking on everyone's door, wanting the gold. <laughs> no, the only the only prior mention we get to the gold before um, the I mean they they talk about it of course in the journal, mm-hmm. um, but visually um, we we skipped it slightly. So when the the young boy who finds the plank or the you know, the piece of driftwood, yeah. um, mm. initially it's not driftwood; it's it's a gold coin. Coin, yeah. and he sees it. Um, Sort of sitting on the beach on a, on a rock, um, which looked incredibly dangerous. I thought he was just going to reach for it and get <laughs> sucked into the water or something. Yeah. But um, you know, he he does a double take, looks away, looks back, and it's it's not a gold coin; it's a plank. Um, <laughs> so we see that. Uh, and aside from Father Malone talking about you know when he's reading his grandfather's journal, there's no other mention of gold. Like no one. Did, the revenants don't seem to care about gold. Oh, look, they have gold. They're they're tricking people with their little gold mm. coins. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's uh, I, I wish. I'm trying to decide if it made it more or less effective um, ending it the way it did. Uh, it's hard. It's hard to tell. I almost want to not see the the ending they went with and just let the credits roll when they you know when the the cross vanishes to see if that's more mm. effective, but I, I have a, yeah. a suspicion that it's not. I think yeah. it yeah. was a wise choice to, to do what they did, even if it becomes um, cliche. Mm-hmm. Under you, Cameron, what do you, what did you think? <laughs> it, it immediately felt like a fake out. Yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, to be honest, it's like, well, I mean, I guess it's part of what they wanted, you know, you get your revenge on the co-conspirators, you get back what you're due, but um, I don't know, the, the weirdest thing for me is, like, this fog is enveloping the entire town, and there was an entire ship full of lepers, so, like, it's not just the five or six that we see through most of the film, There's, they've got to be everywhere. Yeah. They've not killed anyone else in this entire town, not a single other person. You know, the rest weren't descendants of those six people. Luckily, they had six yeah, descendants. What yeah. if one of the dudes didn't have any they kids? They just all showed up in one place. 
Better hope someone else had like five kids, so you could have yeah, your yeah. Kids. I mean, I, I guess with the um, like you were talking about earlier, but with the uh, the novel uh, actually going more into who was descendants of the original six, that makes a bit more sense. But in the context of the film, which is my experiences, mm, yeah, I just I mean they went, they they go well, who's dead? It's the three people on the boat. It's the weatherman. It's the nice old lady who was taking care of the kid, <laughs> and they're like. Well, they just need one more person. They complete. I'm like, it's been half an hour. There's an entire town. They've probably killed at least another ten people, right? They had their list. They were, you know, checking names off. Yeah, checking the <laughs> Um I want to read the book now that I've realized there was one. Uh, mm. You know, it's a film novelization from 1980, so I can't imagine it's like you know the greatest piece of literature. But uh, yeah. I wonder. <laughs> how many questions it answers and maybe gives a little bit more um, motivation or at least insight into what some of these characters are thinking. Um, yeah, or just, yeah. I'd like to see more about the lighthouse um, or the, 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 the radio host or she's probably the best character as far as, mm, you know, investment yeah. in wanting her not to die. Yeah. 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 I mean, we hear her voice through the whole film. It's one of the real constants. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, total fake out. And <laughs> honestly didn't understand why it really happened. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll get our cross and we'll light up and we'll disappear in a puff of smoke. The end. Yeah. <laughs> not I mean, final jump scare. They literally could have just <laughs> killed him right then. He was right yeah. there in front mm. of Blake. Blake just had to stab him. Yeah. And they're done. Yeah. Like, did they He's have like, to lie? It's like, they had, a, it's like they had a meeting about it. Yeah, I think, oh, let's go. we're going to trick him. It'll be great, guys. Yeah. Just watch this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so the uh, after they disappear, you know, Father Malone's going, oh, I, I was lucky. Why didn't they kill me? And then the fog appears underneath. They come back again, and then the film finishes him presumably getting decapitated at that point, <laughs> yeah. uh, which is a nice way to end the movie. Um, yeah, I, I think I, I thought... From a viewer point of view, it was, it was great. I know it was, like I said, it looked like it was a fake out, but I think it was great that the fact that, you know, he still got his comeuppance, even though, to be mm. fair, he hadn't done anything wrong. Yeah, yeah the, <laughs> the, the <laughs> son's father, you know. Yeah, his grandfather. Son, so yeah. yeah, that was that, a little rough but, to swallow, I guess. Um, yeah. But, it's, I mean, it's, you know, it, yeah. I don't know. The leper guys didn't do anything wrong either, as far as we're, yeah, <laughs> you know, we're uh, concerned, exactly. until they're, you know, murdering the descendants of the people that killed them so yeah exactly it's well it's a bit it's like where they literally take eye for an eye for mm. serious mm. but <laughs> Very yeah literally. yeah yeah they do yeah good point um <laughs> yeah so you know the revenants have got their revenge they've got their gold back and that's it really because i like i like the fact it cuts to credit straight away i think yeah. I, I know that's a, a you know quite common in some of the older movies i think that's a great way of finishing it off so um so yeah that's the the fog that's uh, what happened so yeah uh, sort of rounding things up was uh, is there anything you guys wanted to touch upon either on the movie or revenants in general um no i'm uh i think we covered what we wanted to at least for this um iteration you know maybe we'll this bears further investigation uh we'll take yes. a look at some of these right. other films um and maybe get a, a more holistic approach on the revenants. Yeah, mm, that would be good. 
It's, it's uh, almost we like we're going to come back. Oh, no. We're going to be like a revenant. We're going to come back. <laughs> we're going to yeah, get our revenge on this is, uh, storyline. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God. We're going to get revenge would... on this episode. <laughs> yeah. I would. I would say the real question is. Um. So clearly, there's a fair few films to consider. Do we? Do we include DiCaprio? Oh, is the revenant? Is the revenant? Yeah, he fights a bear, and that's that. Um, <laughs> I don't know. He didn't actually die, so no, true. <laughs> oh, that film would be so much better though if it was just yeah. corpse DiCaprio calling his way back. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah, I would have maybe watched it more than once um, if that was the case. Mm. The thing is, it made it made research difficult for this. Because every oh, time God, you Google God. Revenant, you're like, I don't want to know. <laughs> I want to look at Revenant's in law. But, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> right. I think that's uh, that's wrapping it up now. So, um, yeah. Thank you, guys. Another great talk about a yet another monster. Oh, there's so many monsters. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, where can people find you, Dave, on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at sentinot underscore plus. And, uh, and? <laughs> yeah, also, I have another podcast. Um, <laughs> it deals with kung fu films. So if you're interested in that, it's on uh, iTunes under um, Crouching Tiger Hidden Podcast. Excellent. Check it out. It's what I, I, I was going to say, people are going to turn uh, you into a drinking game when you say uh, you're... Your your Twitter handle is going to be in the notes. They take another shot. I didn't shot. say it, so there's no. no I know, <laughs> I know. You got all these, you got all these teetotal people like, now. Like, I, uh, oh, I want to take another shot. Mm. <laughs> How about you, Cameron? Uh, you can find me as well on the Twitter uh, at night underscore twitten. That's night without a without a K. Uh, and how about you, Matt? Uh, you can find me also on Twitter and uh, at Ninja Badger 7, the number 7. Um, talking to Twitter, obviously, you can find this podcast on there as well. Just search Monster Dear Monster. Uh, and as I said earlier on in the start of the show, obviously, we've, you know, we've got merchandise at Tee Public. Have a look if anything takes your interest. or And again, if anyone's got any spare time, just to write us a, a little but nice review. It would be really appreciated. Uh, if you ever want to talk to us again, feel free to send us a message on, on Twitter. If you said you want any particular subject that you think we would like to cover or just any comments or any feedback in general, it would be much appreciated. Um, and on the back of that, thank you for listening to another episode of Monster Dear Monster. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.